Well, we are continuing our series called Verses for Life. This is where we, Justin and I had talked about doing a little mini-series on the verses that we think people ought to know and memorize. and pr- The kind of verse that if you learn it, you could think about it and live by it for the rest of your life or for the rest of the week or whatever. And so that's where we kind of came up with this. And we left it kind of open-ended as far as how long it goes. And I thought, maybe at the outside, let's do it for the rest of the year. And then now we're talking like, I don't know, maybe just the rest of my life. <laughs> then, Because there's so many scriptures that are that kind of powerful. It's amazing how a verse or a couple of verses put together and you go, whoa, this is life. This is so important. This matters so much. And so we're looking at another one this morning. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's verse 58, the final verse of the chapter. And (coughs) Paul writing to the Corinthians, of course, church in Corinth had a lot of problems, and he, he gave them a hard time about certain things. But then he comes down to at the end of chapter 15 and says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain with the Lord. There's so much there to try to unpack and analyze it and carve it apart. And it's like, wow, what a, what a mouthful is in that one verse. So, Let's go through and break it down a little bit. First of all, he starts with therefore. And like Dr. McGee used to say, anytime it says therefore, you need to go backwards and find out what it's there for. Because the word means on the basis of what we've been talking about, here's what we're going to look at now. Therefore, in conclusion, so if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, most of the rest of the chapter is all about death and dying, and resurrection. It's about, hey, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. This mortal must put on immortality. Death will be swallowed up in victory, and how the sting of death is sin, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So life is temporary, but there's a life that goes beyond this life, and you need to keep that perspective. So he concludes a chapter on death and resurrection by saying, now, here's what you need to remember on the basis of that reality. We don't like thinking about death that much. Quite often we look at 1 Corinthians 15 at a funeral because like when somebody dies, you kind of have to mention death. But you, know, but you really want to emphasize resurrection. But that's not his emphasis. It's like on here's what life at its best, looks like. It's being aware of this, and on the basis of what we understand about the temporary nature of this life and the permanent nature of the life that God has for us, here's what I want you to know. So he says, therefore, and then he says, my beloved brethren. Now, that tips us off that what he's telling us may not be the easiest thing to hear. If someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to talk to you about something, and then they go, now, you know I love you, 
right? <laughs> That's kind of where he is at now. Like he's like, I'm going to tell you something, and I want you to remember, you are my family. You are my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ. You're the ones that I'm connected to. So get ready. And so then he says, be steadfast and unmovable. These are two words that are rare in the New Testament. In fact, the one for unmovable, this is the only place it's used. They're never used together like this. They're two similar words. The first word's only used in the, in the Bible a few times. But the first word, steadfast, means, it comes from a word that means to sit down. So it's like you are sitting. But then unmovable means, and you're anchored. You're not going anywhere. You are absolutely not movable. You can see certain pieces of furniture that are meant to move. There are other pieces of furniture that no, like if you ever have a pool table. No, when you sell your house, the pool table's included because you do not want to move that thing. So he's telling them, as my brothers, I want you to be stuck. I want you to have a permanence. I want you to not always be flexible, really. There's a time to be stubborn. And that's what he's saying. On the basis of everything I'm telling you, learn when to be stuck, to be stubborn. And then, again, always abounding. That's an interesting word in the Greek as well. And the reason is always abounding. It's like it means to abound, but it means more than abound. It has an intensity to it that really it means super abounding or Another way that you could that it could be translated is overdo it. Never know when to quit. Be permanent and overdo the work of the Lord. And that word for work, the word ergon, we see it a lot in the scriptures. It's not referring to doing one special thing. It's referring to the routine of what you do when you go to work. It's like this is just how I live my life. I'm overdoing it in the work of the Lord on the basis of knowing. And that word, um, really, it, it comes from the Greek word, ido. It means seeing. So it's not the kind of know that, okay, I understand this mentally and can give mental assent to it. But he, he's basically saying, you've seen this. You've seen examples of this. You've seen it work in your own life. You, you not only know it, you've seen it and experienced it. Knowing, you know, that on the basis of this abounding in the work of the Lord, you know, you've seen it, that your labor is not in vain, is not empty. And that word labor, it doesn't just mean work. Like, there are certain things we talk, yeah, you know, how was your day today? Well, you know, it's work went through it, went through the motions. But this is a word, this word for work here is a word that comes from the word that means cut. So when it says your labor, and labor is probably not the best translation for it, but it's like the pain of labor. If you, now labor is the right word if you're a woman and you've ever had a baby. Because that's kind of the idea. It's like, is it worth it? You know, yeah, it probably is eventually, you know, and 
And then all of a sudden you begin to question that when they become teenagers. But he's saying the pain of serving God is worth it. It's not empty. It is that labor is something that is substantial. It's not in vain in the Lord. It's not something that is like, meh, take it or leave it. So a lot in this verse. You know, we do a pretty good job, I think, of telling people that they need to be flexible. And it's true. There are times in life when you better learn to pivot. There are times in life when you go, okay, I don't think this is going right. Maybe we try it this way. And certainly, there are a lot of times when we're stubborn in the wrong things and it really becomes destructive for us. But I think we do a pretty good job of applauding people for their flexibility, okay? But this is a verse that applauds people for something that we don't usually give people credit for, and that is stubbornness. And And you certainly have to have both. You have to know when to be flexible and when to be stubborn. But so he's saying, okay, look, this is hard. Life is temporary. But I want you to know when to dig in your heels and stick with what you're doing. And the indication has something to do with the fact that when it hurts, you know, and what do you overdo? You're abounding. You overdo it. You overflow it. What is it that you just go, that most people even think you're taking this too far? Because if you do anything really well, most people will think you're a nut about it. Most people will think you're getting a little too carried away. If you, if you have somebody in your family who's a musician, you're like, come on. Deal, you know, learn a few things. Don't you realize you can just... And I mean, our, our world today is so simple that my, my little two-year-old granddaughter is staying with us over Thanksgiving and she gets up and has this Amazon thing on the counter in the kitchen that she can play videos or whatever and, and songs. And so Amelia gets up on the, count, on the counter and she goes, she goes, um, she goes, Siri, play Itsy Bitsy Spider. And nothing happens. She, she goes, Alexa, play Itsy Bitsy Spider. Itsy Bitsy Spider. And it's like, She's so used to life being that way. I think for a lot of us, we still expect it to be that way. It's like, okay, I know how to do what I need to do, and there's no reason for me to actually have to learn to actually do anything. I can have at my disposal. I don't need to learn to spell anymore because my phone will spell things for me. Sometimes the wrong word, but it'll, <laughs> it'll spell it for you. So he says... Here's a skill that's missing, that stubborn intensity that is so often, you know, a rarity. And really the hint is, it hurts. So if you are quitting something because it's hard, if you're quitting something because it hurts, if you're quitting something because you don't see immediate results, that's what Paul's telling him. He says, what I'm really worried about you guys, because he loved the Corinthians, but they were kind of flaky. They, you know, like they really got into communion, and so they were all drunk at communion. Unless you were poor and you couldn't afford booze, 
then communion was really boring for you. They gave you these little disposable cups with just grape juice and styrofoam in them. But, you know, so they had those issues. They were like really nice to people who were committing horrible immorality and things like that. He's trying to pull them together and pull them in. But he's going, you know what? There are times when you feel like quitting because it hurts. You need to really be aware of that. And I think we all need to do that. Just because something hurts doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's kind of like we know this in like weightlifting or running or any athletic endeavor. If you're doing it and it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. It's supposed to hurt. The hurt is what's tearing down like in the physical case, it tears down your muscle tissue so that they can heal back and be stronger. But life is the same way. If you learn to wimp out every time it's difficult, you'll never accomplish anything that really God has for you because he calls us to deal with life in such a way that, okay, that hurts. But that's not going to be my primary motivation in deciding what I ought to be doing. If you only do what's comfortable, then you will just be doing what everyone else is doing, but you won't be doing it as well as they are. You'll be a cheap imitation of them. You'll be some, you know, like, like you can go to the fair and hear some band that's, that's pretending to be some other band. It's like, that's you at your best. But to really make a difference in the world, you have to be willing to be unique. Be who God has created you. And as a result, he goes, don't be a quitter. Don't be somebody who gives up because it's difficult. I worry about our you know, next generation. I, I love our culture. I love civilization. I love education. I, there's so much about the potential that we have as a people that, that I love. But what I'm seeing nowadays is there are an awful lot of people now who just, they want to run away from everything. They just want to be, oh, well, that's that way. Then, well, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not going to do it. Now, I, I always tease people who um, are like running from California, which to me, running from California is so dumb because what you're doing is you're going with a bunch of other people from California but all the most cowardly ones, and then you're there living in some podunk America where all of a sudden winter is hitting, you're like, whoa, what happened? So, you know, at the same time, I look at California and I go, how is it so messed up? Well, partly because some people with common sense actually left. I get that. But here's the thing. There are two options. You don't have to stay in California, but if you want to leave California... Ask yourself, what is it that's calling me to do that? Does God have a specific purpose in me doing that, or am I running away from something? It's it's the same thing in relationships, friendships. It's the same thing in your job or everything else. You should never quit something when it's difficult. You should, you know, uh, there's that joke about the the, uh, people who came to to the lawyer and they said, you know, we, we want a divorce. They've been married for like 40 years, and, and they go, we're done. And he goes, well, tell you what. Why don't you try to be as loving to each other as you possibly can for a period of time? 
And then you can get a divorce, and then they'll hate to see you leave. You know, if you leave now, you're doing them a favor. And so then this guy starts being really loving to his wife, and after a while, of course, the punchline is that he comes back, so are you ready for the divorce? No, are you kidding me? She's changed so much. <laughs> because you, you just, and it's the same way with a job. You can change jobs, but don't change jobs when you hate it. Because you just don't know. Just like, I don't think you should leave a church because you get mad about one thing. Like, no, make sure that you're not being weak. Make sure that you're not being a coward. You can always leave. But you're better off leaving when things are well than leaving when things aren't. Because then you're always going to be questioning and wondering whether that was the right thing or not. So that's kind of what Paul is saying here. I want you to have the kind of stick-to-itiveness that just because it hurts, you don't think it means you're doing something wrong. You're in the wrong place. Be willing to face the pain, then to hear, God, what do you want me to do? Again, it's not that you just, whatever you're doing now, you have to keep doing it. But it's like, I want to make sure that you have a stubbornness with the things that matter, where it's like you're not going to go later, maybe I should have hung in there. Maybe I should have given it another chance. There are people who do, you know, think, oh, I wonder what God wants me to do. So everybody says, well, try teaching Sunday school. And they try it once, and they're like, no, it freaks me out. Okay, so check that off my list. That's not my gift. No one who ever teaches thinks it's great when they start. In fact, most people, I remember when I was running a school, most people for the whole first year thought, this isn't for me. You kind of have to work past it. You get through the hard stuff. Then you can decide, yeah, I don't really think this is for me. But Paul knew the Corinthians, and he knew how they were. And he's saying, and, and here's why it matters. Think about the chapter. Life is short. Life is too short for you to be a flake, to waste your life bouncing from thing to thing to thing to thing, and never really knowing that you poured your life into anything. Never really knowing that you actually did something that could bring about the kind of fruitfulness that at the end of your life you go, I am glad I did that. I'm grateful that I was involved in that. It was hard. People thought I was nuts, but I did it. And so he says, be stubborn in the things that you should be stubborn with. And the indications of, of your stubbornness being right is if, you know, people are looking at it and going, I would quit because it hurts. You can't make life decisions based on hurt because everything valuable in life, and it's something that you learn from birth, everything that's worth something in life hurts. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong because it hurts. Now, there's also, there are some people who, like over in Proverbs 24, 21, I think it is, where he says, he says, don't associate with people who are given to change. There are some people who are constantly changing everything. And he says, don't even connect with people like that because they'll bring you down with them. So, Again, the warning is, don't be a flake, and don't hang out with flaky people and follow them. Be the person that somebody looks and goes, well, 
Have to give them credit, man. They are faithful. That's why the Bible says it's required of a steward that he be found faithful. Do you stick with what you're doing? So he goes, life is too short for you to think that you can go through a whole bunch of different things. I know people who have had like, you know, they've, followed, they've pursued like 20 different careers. How long do you think you're going to live? You know, it's like life is so short that you better figure out where you're supposed to be and then stick with it. Be the best that you can be at what you're doing rather than to keep bouncing around and flaking off. So, you know, be stubborn, abounding in the work of the Lord. And that's the thing. What are you doing that you're overdoing it? Because this is something that if you're serving the Lord in any capacity, there are going to be people who are concerned that you're overdoing it. There are going to be times when you think you're overdoing Don't you think you're taking off too much? Yeah, I, I totally, with my life, I can look at my life and go, yeah, there are times when I've really overdone it. But at the same time, life is short. I can't afford to pace myself. It's something that now at 70, I understand in a way that I, when I was 30, I thought I'd live forever. You know, I thought the Lord would come back while I still didn't have aches and pains, you know, when I could still sign my name without my hand kind of shaking, you know. I I thought that was going to be that way, but it turns out, you know, here I am, I'm still here. Now, the things I am most thankful for are the things that I've done in my life that most people thought it was overdoing it, that most people thought I was carried away. And that's Paul's heart here. Overdo it when it comes to the things of the Lord. Don't let people talk you into being less than you can be. Don't let people talk you into thinking that that's good enough. Now just sit and enjoy life and take care of yourself. Because, you know, you can overwork yourself and you you can kill yourself. You know what? You're going to die anyway. So if there's something worth doing, it's worth doing to excess. If there's, you know, don't let people, I mean, there are people who, like, they get into music a little bit, and they get into sports a little bit, and they get into surfing a little bit, and they get into politics a little bit, and they get into economics a little bit, and they get, it's like, okay, if you want to be a renaissance person, fine, but is there anything that people go, you are into that too much, because that's a good sign, If people think that you are getting carried away with something, that's something that might be exactly what you are supposed to be doing. That's something that you may look back and go, you know what, I don't regret that. So he says, be stubborn, you know, know, unmovable, solid, overdoing it in the work of the Lord. Now, what's the work of the Lord? It could be all kinds of stuff. Part of the work of the Lord is being a decent member of your family, is being a good friend to your friends. It's being someone who, who explores and appreciates the beauty of the world. It's, there are all sorts of things that are the Lord's work. Everything that you can do that you can only do now and you won't be able to do when you're dead, any of those things can be done for the Lord. But go for it with everything that you have and everything that you are and don't let people tell you you ought to quit because you're getting carried away. God gives us the privilege of being kind of extreme. 
Now, anybody, as you get older, you know, whoa, there's not a lot of time left. I, I, I saw this, that thing a few weeks ago where there was a 108-year-old woman who decided to go jump out of an airplane. And I thought, okay, better late than never. 108 years old, she jumps out of an airplane, they did a bunch of news stories and everything. She died like a couple days later. They claim it had nothing to do with her jumping out of the airplane. But you know, if like your last memory was jumping out of an airplane, that's not bad. That's not a bad way. Who cares? One thing that Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter, the former president who's still in hospice, the guy's been dying forever, and and his wife just died, but I read his book on on, uh, aging, and he said something really profound, I thought. And he said, the one thing that modern medicine has done is it makes you die for a lot longer. (laughs) And boy, is that true. Machines and things like that, they can keep you technically alive. But Paul's heart for the Corinthians is, I want you to be obsessed with doing what God has called you to do, even when it hurts, even when doing that costs you. Do it anyway, because life is too short to not. Life is too short to deprive yourself and others of what you might do. I we always encourage people, especially on the holidays, to invite people to come to church. Like I saw a poll recently, 86% of the people that go to church, the reason they first came to church is because a friend invited them. It's like 2% of the people saw an ad somewhere where got so pestered by you know, the junk emails and everything that they ended up coming to church, Not, or a big event or whatever. No, it's like a friend saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me? If that's true, and coming to church is what introduces people to a relationship with Jesus, I think, isn't that our work? Well, it's, maybe it's hard. It's hard to talk to somebody about something like that, you know. But in reality, if we live our lives in such a way that we don't let that reticence rip us off from doing something that might be really important, celebrate stubbornness sometimes in your own life. Stick with it. Don't decide what to do based on what other people do. Don't decide what to do based on what other people think you ought to do. But understand this. When there's a change, it's going to be because it's going to give me a greater opportunity to serve the Lord, to do what He has called me to be. And then stick with it and go for it and be stubborn about it because It's going to hurt, but there's no hurt like the hurt of missing an opportunity of what you could have done for the Lord. And so it hurts either way. It hurts to be a lazy flake who's always taught, you know, some, some, you know, 400 pound, I don't think anybody in here is 400, I'm trying to hit a 500 pound, whatever, (laughs) guy who's talking about back in his high school football days. Like, really? So that was the best thing that ever happened to you? Um, You don't want to live your life in such a way that nothing that you've done lately matters to you. Instead, we should live our lives in such a way that we're going, this is painful, but I'm hanging in there, and I'm doing it. I'm looking for opportunities to serve the Lord. That's Paul's heart for the Corinthians. He's like, you guys have a lot 
gone for you. And Corinth was a place with great culture and great opportunities. But he's like, please, learn to be stubborn. Learn to not let people talk you out of stuff because they think you're extreme. If somebody's trying to talk you out of doing something that they think is kind of extreme, maybe that's an indication that you ought to do it anyway, that you ought to just go ahead and do something a little bit crazy. Maybe that matters, you know, in a way that you can't conceive. The work of the Lord, the, the reg- and again, it's not doing some major event. The work, Aragon, it's like, this is the way I live my life. This is what I do every day. I embrace and welcome the pain because I know that I'm doing what I'm doing for the Lord. And I can hear this assurance from him that, you know, the pain that you feel is worth it. That your labor, your kapas, the cutting pain, the, the, the difficulties, the, the collateral damage that comes to you, it's worth it with the Lord. If you're seeking and following him and trying to be who he wants you to be, you quit like asking yourself if other people always approve of what you're doing. Instead, you're like, you know what? I feel drawn to this. There's a way in which I feel more connected to God when I'm doing this. And I'm going to go for it. And I'm not going to quit because it's hard. I'm not going to quit because other people's opinions say something about me. And you have no idea of knowing ultimately where it's going to pay off. It's like you can, I don't know at the beginning of a week what I'm going to do this week where it really makes an eternal difference. So like I may go, I'm going to study all week. And it might not, there might not be anything really magical that happens um, in terms of that, I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. You might go on vacation this week and meet somebody and be able to shine some of the light of Christ into their lives, and that's going to be way more fruitful than if you were sitting at home studying. Or if you were thinking, well, this isn't really... That's why I love when people follow the Lord, but they're also out there coaching kids sports and doing, you know, surfing and doing the kinds of things, hiking and, and you know, canoeing. and everything. That's what we're supposed to be out there. The work of the Lord is out there. It's not just in here. And I have to remind myself of that because sometimes the formal work of the Lord, that sounds like ministry. No, this is, he's talking about people who are doing the things that God has given them to do whether it's in your job, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's with your, your family or friends or whatever. No, you keep doing it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. And he says, it's going to hurt. But I will not stop doing something because somebody thinks I'm overdoing it and because I'm looking at it and going, this is the work that God has called me to do, but it hurts. Sorry, I expect it to hurt and I expect to be accused by other people of overdoing it. That's the nature of the beast. It's hard. But that's why Paul says, I want you to know this. I want you to learn to be stubborn. Because the most important things you will do in your life will hurt. And most people won't understand why you're doing what you're doing. But be steadfast, unmovable, stubborn. 
always overdoing it in the work of the Lord. As much as you know that the pain that you experience is worth it in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this amazing scripture verse. And Lord, uh, I look at the people who are here and people who are watching online or listening, and each one of us has a different calling from you. Help us to not tell each other what we should be doing, but help us to be taking our marching orders from you, listening to you. And when life hurts, help us not to think that it means it's not working, but help us to consider the possibility that maybe it is working, and that's why it hurts. But I pray that for each of us, you would show us what your work is for us individually. And as we do that, that we would be stubborn. That we would be the people who care more about what we do than most other people ever will. And as a result, we will spend our lives, and at the end of our days, as this mortal puts on immortality, we will look back and go, I'm glad I did what I did. I'm thankful for the discomfort and the pain because that was what was being, being faithful looked like for me. So Lord, help us to be encouraged by what Paul says here and help us to learn to live by this important exhortation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. If you're here and